Okay, cool. I'm good. I got the old Starbucks. It's like uh, Freaky Friday. I got to read that book one of these days. What do you mean? Like we switched. It's opposite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I had to drive it over here. I'm sitting back with the sunglasses on. I'm cranky and pissed off at the world. <laughs> you don't want your wife to put it on her rear end. I gotta read that book one of these days. Jim Lockwood and the Maniac Mermaids, man. We're getting the band back together. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Jim Lockwood and the Maniac Mermaids. Nice. It truly has switched. You just wait, man. I come across like that? No, no. It just depends on the traffic, I think. So, should we... Let's we get rolling. Re- we are recording, We're reco- so... Let's get rolling. Hey, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with Jamesy. And Brando. Coming at you live from our second studio. Also, today we're recording from Brando's home in his new home studio. Yeah. So, I today I made the drive, which wasn't bad. Groovy. So, four weeks of deep air. Yes. That was a, uh, a long dive. That was a long was dive. a very long dive. However, we, uh, we picked up a lot of new listeners along the way. So, I think... Uh, I think that those shows were getting shared around a bit with friends and uh, dive buddies, which those of you that did uh, turn other divers and other dive buddies and friends and cohorts cohorts onto the show, thank you very much for helping spread the show. And enemies. If you were turning enemies onto the show. That's even better. You can see even in the scuba community, people are making enemies. <laughs> you wouldn't think that. Well... I guess and, anything you can I, I hold a strong any, opinion on. Well, yeah, I people. think anywhere you can wave a flag, you're you're bound to make an enemy. You know? Even if it's a die flag. Correct. Or an alpha flag. Why, well, why don't you use an alpha flag? I'm going to. But yeah, you're right. You should they have been using a, it all along. Well, anywhere that people are passionate about something, right? Uh, they have a strong view and feel that you, the listener, need to need to view it the exact same way that I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. It is what it is. Well, and you you can understand it. You know, when you when you invest time and you invest money into something, and you feel that you have a a solid understanding of something, sure you're going to be passionate about about your way of doing it. I I, I get all that. And that's where in the rub lies is your understanding is only your understanding. Well, yeah, and your your understanding is only as good as long as you've been doing it. You know, and when you just when you just got hip to the understanding. You're far more passionate and unwavering against other viewpoints as to I've been doing that for over a decade. You have a, a different way of seeing yeah. other people come into it. Yeah, it's like a, a reformed smoker, though, too. You know, you really should. Or it's like uh, vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not piss off everybody. <laughs> Scratch that. What? Scratch the smoker uh, yeah, vegetarian. Smokers and vegetarians. 
Uh, hey, smokers and vegetarians, 50% off this week. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, so those of you that have shared the show, thank you very much. Helping us grow. Yeah, it's been a big week. Yeah. Or a couple weeks. Mailed out a bunch of stickers. Mailed out a bunch of t-shirts. So hopefully you guys will be seeing stickers and t-shirts Coming to day, your door. If not already. Please Can get we out call them decals? We can't call them decals. I, from what I understand, we've been pointed no, out. No, you can't call them a decal. If it's a sticker, you can't call it a, a decal. decal. Yeah. We have been, like, if we make even the slightest uh, vernacular mistake... Wait, no, we no, no. get called out on this. Wait, how, how did it go? If it's, <laughs> if it's something that you stick on something, it's not a sticker, it's a decal. Well, it's, yeah, transfer of if a design from if one. It's, if it's a yeah. design that decals that's onto a, a piece of paper that sticks into something, then yeah. it's a decal. Then it's a decal. Well, whatever. It's very simple. Yes. I thought they were kind of interchangeable decal, meaning you're a little more refined. It's like I'm not drinking booze, I'm drinking wine, right? <laughs> So yeah, and they're not they're pretty cool decals. And everybody uh, likes the quality of them. It's a nice heavy oh, duty yeah. uh good looking sticker. Oh yeah. You got that right. Yeah, Great Dive Podcast has been and we were on television. Not us, but our our decal. Boy, that was I mean, great, wasn't one it? One of our stickers. One of our stickers was uh made uh made the news. Thanks, Greg. Uh, yeah, from uh from a dive shop down in Ohio. Ohio. Worthing, Where was it? Worthington, no, near it was, Cincy. Um, Hilliard. Was, oh, Hilliard. Well, Aquatic, never mind that. Aquatic Adventures of... If it's Hilliard, forget about it. I think it, it was Aquatic Adventures of Ohio, but Hilliard. Aquatic Adventures of Hilliard. Yeah, shout out to Greg for that. So, Hey, anywhere a little plug for the uh, the old Great Dive podcast can be made. Yeah, I for sure. So, we got, um, so they did a little news story out of their dive shop down there and uh he was kind enough to place a great dive podcast decal in camera view for us help spread that a little bit those of you that got t-shirts and stickers by all means please uh take some pictures post them on facebook post them on your your page send a copy over to our page and uh, let us uh share that around tag us let us know where you're placing your stickers but be careful with those don't touch my stickers you got to put them on shit that you don't want people to touch <laughs> like on the back of your 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 doubles makes sense right yeah don't, don't touch you know, don't my be, valves don't mess my valves don't while i'm getting in the water you know? yeah. but on your stage bottle that you're going to ask the dive master to hand you in two minutes don't put it there <laughs> you don't want to put it there although you don't want anybody messing with it on the way that's true that's true listeners are up yes i noticed that too. up again it's all good Although it is diving season kicking in a bit, so hopefully, yeah. uh, so we do have to make some more live appearances. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring some stickers. Um, 18th, 19th of August, you up for possibly doing Mackinac? Yeah, that would be great. Get a couple dives on, you know, that uh, Cedarville. Cedarville, yeah. Get some good shots. You have your camera back by then? Yeah, should be back in operation. I do have, I do have my backup camera and how. Okay. So I could get that going. And it was nice to do a dive where... I had no camera. So on that same note of us being in reverse roles today, um, we had reverse roles on that dive that we did out of Lake Michigan. Yes, we did. So I had the I had the camera, and you were just out swimming, being being the model, being the. Uh, so there was a couple of model shots that you you know positioned for. I thought I think you and I have a good communication with with when it's like I need to take a picture, get into get into a better position, just awareness of where the camera is, awareness where the buddy is. But I noticed this time that the difference that it 
takes when you have the camera in your hand, the delay in communication, right? Versus, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were quick on the communication because you didn't have the camera in your hand, right? Oh, so, so let's do this. Let me ask you, let me ask you, so let me ask you this question. For those new upcoming photographers out there, mm-hmm. right, that are putting a camera in their hands, the the difference in your awareness on that on the dive that we did over the last weekend compared to the the dive of the week before when you've got that huge camera, rig in your yeah. hand, right? Just how much more alert you are with not having it. Well, it's so much easier. The task loading is so much lower. That's what you notice first off. You're like, you feel almost like you're forgetting something. You know, it's like, oh, I'm missing something because my hands are free, number one. <laughs> you're not having to think about, you know, camera settings and where to position yourself. I don't know if you notice too, but you use more air. You, you Air, gas. You use more gas. Just because you're swimming around people, you don't realize it. When you're videoing slash taking pictures slash any of that stuff, you're swimming more. Yeah, because you're constantly yeah. repositioning yourself for the yeah. shot. And you're trying to do it faster because you don't want the person to lose their position so okay i want this angle and then you want them to stay there in that pose and you want to get a different angle a different right yeah well i noticed there was a you know there's a time that you and i are cruising um on that straits of mackinac wreck cruising down the uh starboard side going back to the bow and um i was like oh this this is gonna be a good shot so i took off just outside over the railing but wanted to swim ahead of you to to get the approaching right, shot rather right. than, than a butt shot. Rather, than, yeah, yeah, rather than the, the butt shot of and the side profile, you would have been lost in it because yes, uh, we were going by mm-hmm. too much of that mm-hmm. the structure of the ship. So trying to get that three quarter view, yeah, it gives you a little more three dimensional, too, now a to, more depth yeah. to stop everything and communicate all of that would have just taken too much time and yeah. too and uh, and then there was other people that were going to come in that would have gotten in the way of the shot too. Mm-hmm. So you, you take a bit more work to kind of get yourself into that position that you want to be in. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I always notice. It's The diving becomes like a working dive when you're behind the camera. There's a job to be done, and it's a working dive. That not being there was nice for a change. Afterwards is when I'm really missing, like, oh, crap, I don't have any pictures of... You know how you normally is. You you've got your pictures and you, you work. Oh out, you're crap! Like, oh, I don't I have something. nine hours of work to do. Yeah, I didn't, that was the other reason I didn't bring it. Is I didn't I didn't. I'm already backed up as it is with photo crap, photo post procedures kind of thing, post uh, production stuff. So I said, forget it. It's just not worth it. But it was nice too seeing other photos coming up that I didn't have to deal with. With, that you're in. Yeah, and I'm in a couple, yeah, so which that is always pretty nice. I have a couple of photos I can hang on the wall so I can look at myself more. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. It's very good. And there were a couple really nice ones turned out from that dive. Yeah. Those dives, I should say, so pretty cool ones, making the rounds on the Internet. So so with that being said, should we jump well, into well, with uh, that being said, photo? Yeah. So we, we definitely have... Um, one of our fan favorite topics is always photography. Yeah, we have a number of folks that I think a, a number of folks get into scuba diving. Period, just to do photography, just for a new yeah. venue new element. Yeah, yes, to exactly. Take. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a new area of photography for them to take up. I mean, that's awesome. That's great. And I would say that one of the most popular forms of photography, especially for Great Lakes divers, is definitely that wide angle. Yeah. What we lack here in the Great Lakes are those, you know, colorful little tiny macro fish and sea life under the water. We don't have that. I mean, anything of bright colors, unfortunately. I mean, there are fish, 
but yeah but you're you're more inclined to see pretty pretty fish in like a local inland lake in six feet of water yeah you know along uh, along the, the the shoreline you know that's where you're gonna see a lot of the marine life which is fun yeah it's great uh, don't get me wrong it's just our big attraction here is is the shipwrecks right yeah and the way the way that you're going to capture it is going to be with a wide angle lens yeah you need it because they're big and for those uh people that don't know wide angle versus you know a zoom which is what you think of when you've got a a far away object that you want to get to take up the whole image you need to zoom but for a large object especially in water where everything's magnified right it's uh it's a four-thirds magnification so if you Try to get your subject in the image to take up your space of your image. Your subject's going to be a lot bigger. It's going to take up more of the space you have to work with. The other side of that is you're working in a uh, denser medium than air that is significantly less clear than air. And for that reason, the lack of clarity takes away your light. It uh, impedes the light. And that's what cameras need. That's basically what photography is, right? It's writing with light or painting with light. Right. Whereas, I guess, like a typical wide angle shot on land, right, is is a way to get more stuff into the into the photo. Yeah. And what it does is to capture a larger overall area. Yeah. Underwater, it's more so that you can get to the subject. Yeah. Put less water in front of you and your subject. Yeah. 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 Because it allows you to get closer and still take in a large view. Well, it seems like if like just to use a wide angle lens because you're out like on the Grand, like taking a picture of the Grand Canyon, right? You're taking that wide angle shot to cover that vastness. You want to take the whole, there, right? the whole scenic view in, yes. Whereas underwater, that same wide angle lens is isn't covering as much of the vastness, but it's bringing that thing close up. Yeah, it's right, and opening and opening right. the shot out. Right, because the object is already bigger than normal because of the magnification we talked about, the wide-angle lens is almost a necessity just to make it a normal view. If you want to take in just a normal view of something or someone, you need the wide-angle lens underwater. That's why you know most folks that come in for underwater photography classes, courses, or whatnot, one of the first things you're going to learn is if you want a shot of a diver with a shipwreck, you invest in a halfway decent wide-angle lens. Right, and the nice thing about underwater is you know the, the environment that you're in kind of creates its own focal image or focal point of the shot, right? Because you've got that fish or you've got that shipwreck that you're looking to do versus some of the wide angle photography land photography you're trying to fit so much into the shot because you're looking at the vastness you kind of lose you can easily lose that focal image but because of the The, medium that you're in underwater i'm trying to get this shipwreck i want to get all of it in you naturally have a focal point that you can use for your artistic creativity to play around with yeah i think what you're you're trying to hit at there is it's easy to lose the subject on land that's in other words you see a photo and that's one of the things folks you know you need to learn in basic photography there has to be a subject one of the biggest critiques is i can't tell what the subject is either you've got too many things in it and people are like well what's the subject supposed to be sometimes you can say well it's all of them if they're you know like a, a, if it's a they're like objects or whatnot, but sometimes sure. you're going, what is the subject? Well, uh, yeah, it's a difference. Like too we, much. Remember, we went, looked back when we did the photo contest, the the fruity pebbles in outer space picture. Yeah, yeah, right with all those wild colors. 
Yeah. That was well done, but you could easily have taken that same shot and it be too much in there and you don't have a focal point. That's another reason you learn how to use a camera. You learn how to blur the background using a different aperture. Uh, you learn a little bit about composition. You know, in photography, it's probably a lot of things. They say, uh, well, they, we have all these rules, you know, rules of thirds. Uh, there's rules for determining determining your shutter speed. It just goes on and on and on. All that being said, a good photographer, like the true professionals, the artists, they'll tell you, uh, you know, those rules, you need to learn them and you need how, to know how to use them. But then you can break them. Yeah, and I think that's what creates, uh, or, or that's what a good artist has the ability to do, is they know when and how to break the rule. And that's hard to teach. Very hard. I think that's a that's almost a sixth sense. Yes, that's where the you art know, comes in. But you have to know all the rules. You have to be proficient before, at before photography. you can break the rules. Mm -hmm. That's it, exactly. And that's you what know? I tell people. You, you have to do it by the rules before you just go out and break them at random. And I, I right. think a, a lot of diving just in general is that yeah. same way, if, correct me if I'm wrong. No, right? I'm with you. you know, any art. Where, yeah, any that's art, where I, right? Like we look at you know, making such a big deal about perfect trim and balance and buoyancy control and all these little mechanics, getting them so clean and so perfect, because when all of those come out without any any thought, any any work, then you can learn to manipulate it and break it to really to really get into those positions and areas and movement and different dives yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to move through a, a, a tight environment and get, you know, extremely close to something without stirring up the bottom, scaring stuff away. It's like anything else. It's, a, it's an art form. In order to be proficient at the art, you have to be proficient at the technical aspects of the art, right? And how to use your tools and how to control yourself. And then you start going outside the lines, coloring outside the lines, so to speak. But with... Uh, yeah, photography, the underwater photography, with a wide-angle lens on land, and you see it a lot on land, is you don't know what the subject is because it takes in so much. Underwater, it's taking in a lot less because everything's magnified. It's larger. If I want a whole person in my shot, normally on land, I'd be about five or six feet away, and I could get a whole person in the shot. But underwater, because you're magnified now in that same distance, you're huge. You take up the whole you know, the whole frame. So what you need to be able to do is put a lens on that will take the whole image in, but you can still stay that same distance. Because what happens with water is it impedes light, right? Just like I said. So you want to be able to stay close and still get the whole image in there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, going over the reasons we want an underwater wide-angle lens, that's it. We want to put less water in between the subject and our, our sensor, which is our film, really. I found an article on underwaterphotographyguide.com, which is a great little website for seasoned as well as beginner photographers. It's got a great you know guide for beginners in here, uh, covers a bunch of different cameras and lenses and guides to strobes, a bunch of different articles, a lot of good stuff on this website for those of you looking for more underwater photography information. I love that website. There's an article by Nirupam Nigam, and the article's entitled Wide Angle Photography in Low Light Conditions, which is definitely the case for a lot of Great Lakes, Great lakes diving. That's key right there. As well as really any scuba diving below 30, 40, 60 feet, you know, you're going to lose a lot of that ambient, or at least that strong ambient light to light up your, your subject. And remember, the strobes don't work more than 10, 15 feet away. A, a good strobe underwater is not going to really give you any effective light more than 10 to 15 feet away. So if you have, say, for example, you'd like to take a photo of a shipwreck, 
A, you need halfway decent viz to get the whole thing in there. And you're going to have to get a little ways away from it. You're not going to be able to use, really use a strobe on the shipwreck. What the strobe is for is for a subject that may be closer. And that's what we, we'll talk about right now is in wide-angle shots, you want to create some kind of depth. Correct. Right? Yeah. So you want something near you and to be in contrast to the stuff that's behind it, the, the larger picture, for example, a shipwreck or a reef. Yeah. You get the diver in the reef. Right. right, or you've got that diver in the full view of the shipwreck. Yeah, in the forefront. Yeah, and or then you've the got that behind sea it. fan hanging over the wall, and mm-hmm. you got this beautiful shot of of the wall and the 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 drop off and the blue water in contrast with the colorful reef. And but a that, bourbon. That, but boom, there's that sea fan and a screaming bourbon. at you. Yes, screaming at you. So Neuropalm says, as a cold water diver, one of the most frequent phrases I hear from other photographers encountering bad visibility is, I guess it's macro day. Except in extreme cases of bad conditions, that photographer is often missing out. Contrary to popular belief, it is possible to take quality wide angle images and poor visibility down to about five feet at any time of the day. It's just a matter of understanding how light works. I could not have said that better because he is absolutely right. And that's why a lot of folks take their wide-angle camera, whether it be a SLR or point-and-shoot or a GoPro-type camera. And the GoPro has a built-in extremely wide angle. You'll go diving, you'll see one thing with your eyeball, and you'll come back and look at the videos or the stills you took, you've taken. The visibility looks incredibly improved, like it's you're not even on the same dive. But that's just the way that the wide-angle lens works. And, taking and the, the way light it captures in. the light. Yes, it takes that light in a lot more efficiently than our regular eyeball. My regular eyeball, anyway. <laughs> I don't want to say everybody has so regular eyeball. So your camera needs reading glasses? Is that yes, what you're that's exactly right. <laughs> it's hard to explain verbally. It's easier to show a picture. Which is where this, uh, which is where this little website is great. And yes. uh, you know, he shows a, a couple of great shots. I guess it's it's kind of like so. Um, we took a we took that dive like we were talking about earlier, where I had the camera, but all I had is the GoPro. Right, which is right. wide angle. Which is all wide angle, pretty much. And it's it's not the same type of a wide angle as what you're shooting with your SLR. I don't have the ability to change any of the aperture settings. I don't really have an ability yes. to change the shutter speed. I'm stuck with that. And I do like taking stills with that GoPro. It's not so much that it's a different camera. It's that it doesn't offer manual s- Right. Which is where I'm, what I'm getting to with this is you have to have an understanding of that artistic side of the light. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I've got. Right. Right. And, I've, and I had some video lights on there so I could light up some certain things close if I got by. close enough. Mm-hmm. But it's really a matter of learning to have that eye and allowing the camera to help you paint that picture that you're trying to create. Right. And that comes from understanding how the camera works. I try to teach an understanding of what the camera is doing. That way, you know, when it's in auto mode, for example, on a GoPro, it's going to do the thinking for you. So if you understand how a camera works and the three aspects of photography that kind of go into determining the light that comes to the sensor, if you understand that, you can use that to your advantage with a GoPro. You can, you know, position yourself differently, bring different lights. Right. And at the same time, you you know, you can't bracket. You can't bracket. It, you right? definitely so can't you, bracket. You can't do any, you can't change anything like the aperture setting. Or the, uh, you know, I think you can go in and do the ISO, but even then it's still, it messes yeah, it up. On yeah. a dive. Yeah. 
you're not going to go through all those. Oh settings. no, not on not on the GoPro. Yeah, the it's ass. a pain in the butt. It's just a pain in the butt. You're just going to go put it, you know, turn it on and take some photos. Or what most people do is they strap it to their wrist or they strap it to their head and they just leave it in video mode. Yikes! Which is not good. It's yeah. It's to me, it's like somebody strapping it to their forehead and then riding a roller coaster. Yeah, and, it's just here. Watch good. this. Yeah. Get me a get me a barf bag. Even you taking the GoPro down underwater. You know, I still put when I use a GoPro, I still put it on a, a tray, right? And a, it's got to be on a good tray. tray yeah, it has to be on a tray. Got a little bit of mass to it, so it's easier to to handle smoothly. Yeah, unless right? you want like the the Blair Witch Project feel yeah. of the. Of you're the, gonna get that even yeah, if you don't want it. Yeah, That's like if you're in video mode, you, yeah, you're gonna. And by the way, if anybody's curious, I'm curious. nobody wants to watch the full yeah. length forty five minute video no. of your GoPro dive strapped to your wrist. How to lose friends and not influence people. Right. That's Nobody the number one that. way in the book. <laughs> I, my family does not talk to me. Something I did 20, 20 years ago. They still won't talk to me because I was that guy. I was like, I just bring the camera and turn it on Raw so you can get yeah. the whole raw here. feel of the dive. Here's, here's 45 minutes of my yes. raw footage it's diving. the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> so, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that, folks. We've learned. Here's here's so, something, Jamesy. Not to go off on a tangent because it's not really a tangent, but with the the uh, we have camera phones. Everybody's got a camera with them now. Everybody. You everyone. now you remember before camera phones? Not everybody carried a camera with them. They did not take pictures of everything at random and will. You know, hey, here's my lunch. Here's this. But the I think the cool thing about having these cameras with us on our phones is that the level of photography. Like, the number of good photos are awesome. It's, it's like, up, yeah. insane. Every picture you look at is, is, like, a really nice photo. Are there still people taking <laughs> photos? Yes, yeah. You're, I don't think you're ever going to fully get rid of that. But I look at, you know, like, in this move. So we're moving over here. I've had to go up this weekend. We were doing the garage sale at the old house. So I was up in the attic getting the stuff because we hadn't moved the attic stuff. It's about the only thing that was left. And all these boxes that I just put like Brandon's memories. And it's just like a lot of old photos and little knickknack memorabilia stuff. So I pulled out the old photos. Oh, my God. And we would, you know, so you pull them out. You, you remember you take the film in to go get it developed and you'd get it back and it'd be oh, in an envelope with have yeah. the negatives. And you look through it. You know, you'd get a 36 exposure roll and you'd look through it. Mind you, these are not my photos that I've got. These are my wife's probably that she took. <laughs> my photos are much better. Anyway, I'd look at it, you know, horrible, out of focus. Uh, the exposure is horrible. The composition, is the, you're trying to figure out what is this. Well, it's usually you, everything is right in the center. Well, you know? I, can, I can answer that for you yeah. right now. It's the, uh, the LCD screen has made Helps. a huge Yes, you huge see what you're, what you're shooting. You know what you're getting yeah. immediately. You know, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Whereas that was the case. I mean, um, I remember a time I went down to Crystal River mm -hmm. and we picked up one of those disposable yeah. Water that you cameras. can go in the water, yeah. yeah. You know, film camera, disposable yeah. water films. You're like, oh, we're gonna swim with these manatees. I don't didn't really have an underwater camera back then. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, let's grab one of these things, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're horrible. I did the same thing oh in God. commercial I mean, school. I mean, yeah. I got like half an eye in one shot. Yeah, <laughs> they know? don't have a wide angle lens on them. Right. Yeah. It's... And there you go. I mean, that right there. That's a. If you use that camera on the on the land, 
with it's, a wide angle, I would have had the whole man yeah. head. It could have been some cool shots. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's just like a thirty-five mil. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, it was a basic thirty-five millimeter focal length, which is for those of you who remember film or whatnot, a thirty-five mil camera, thirty-five mil focal length is like they're trying to uh, imitate what the eye would see. You know, and a lot of times right, it right. went to fifty, depending on the frame size of the camera, or, or what I mean is like the sensor or film size of the camera. So between thirty-five and fifty is was like what a normal eye would see. Now, if you take a thirty-five or fifty underwater, you are in order for you to get like like right now. I'm sitting across from James, who's like a six footish guy. Um, in order for me to get him underwater entirely in the frame, just like laid out in a horizontal position, I'd probably have to be about 15 feet away, uh, which isn't good when you're taking underwater well, it's photos. Too, it's it's too way away. too far away. It's, it's fine if you're if I'm above you and you're trying to capture a silhouette of me. I would get a silhouette, yes, right? but if I wanted to get any detail of, of you. So that's so that's part of what I'm what I was talking about like with that me shooting that GoPro is you realize the limitations of the camera. Yeah. You got to realize I'm not going to get a photo of you, right? right. That's going to look good that's trying to capture your contrast in you with that GoPro on a shot in a distance with the shipwreck line. It's just not going to exist. So to waste 50 shots on the dive trying to capture it when the camera doesn't have the ability to do it, you're just wasting your time. So you have to change your perspective, your artistic perspective, to realize what kind of shots I can capture with the tools that I'm taking with me. Right. And or bring uh, lights. Which is where... Nirapam makes a mention that you're painting with light, right? And painting with light is a mentality where you can picture in your head how the light you have at your disposal, whether it's the the sun or the strobe or focus light or whatever it is, will affect the image that you're trying to create. Exactly. So knowing that going underwater, you know, we start to lose the reds real quick, right? The reds and oranges, they start to go real quick in the first 33 feet. That's part of what you've got to add back in if you want to somehow put real color into the into the photo. So you have to bring your own lights. With a GoPro, you can't use a, a strobe. You use a video light, which means it stays on all the time, right? Right. The difference between, and this is always a big question, is strobes versus video lights. What should I get? And for, for wide angle, you still want lighting. Even though you might be a ways away from your shipwreck and that light is never going to hit that shipwreck, what you might want is your diver in your foreground, very close. Correct. And you want that person lit up. And that always gives an awesome photo. I mean, that gives a photo that looks realistic because... That's a beautiful wide-angle shot for sure. The, the person has his natural colors in his face or her face and their suits lit up naturally so they got that red dry suit or whatever. You see red. Uh, versus everything all blue and green, even if they're close without the lighting, because you lose that naturally because of the depth. Well, that's the the the, the field of vision, right? That you lose underwater, and yeah, those those blues, those aquas, those turquoises mixed with the black silhouettes look mm-hmm. great. But when it's all the same, when frame, the whole thing, yes, it's boring. Yeah, even whereas, the person in the forefront. Yeah. Whereas all of a sudden, boom! There's a there's a diver or a fish or a, a a part of the coral that's bright orange in contrast to that blue. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah, that really helps bring out the real feel 
of what it would actually be like underwater. That whole blue-tinted photo comes from not bringing your own light, and that's what you would get if you don't bring your own light. Well, and, and there's where someone who's a veteran photographer versus somebody who just picked up a bunch of camera stuff to take with them on their right. dive is going to be different. They're going to sit there as that boat's heading out to the dive site. That veteran photographer is going to, you know, look at that machine he's got in his hand, realize what tools he's taken, what the dive plan is, and he's going to have a already a kind concept a in his mind. Yeah of what I'm going to try to capture versus the new guy is going to jump in the water and that thing's just going to go, 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 go. And at the end of the dive, much like I did with the manatee dive, except mine, it was two weeks later. I, I, I thumbed through 24, <laughs> 12, $12. 24, 24, you know, shots, threw them all away because yeah. they all sucked. You know, that same person is going to come through and he's going to look at the hundred pictures that he just took. This one's cool. This one's cool. Deleting the rest. Whereas that good photographer is going to go down already having an idea of what he wants to capture, mm -hmm. and he's going to have 20 shots of the same exact thing probably. A couple of different Tweaked settings, tweaks, yeah. right, and, and really okay. starting to learn how to manipulate. Different viewpoint, yeah. yeah how to manipulate his machine to, to Different composition. To yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and that's that's where you want to get to. I mean, that's ultimately the, the goal of our podcast here is we're going to start you on the path, hopefully. If you're already on the path, Maybe you'll realize, hey, I'm still on a, on a good path. This is what photographers have to go through to learn how to take nice, wide-angle shots underwater. So Nirupam says, one thing I like to do is pre-create an image in my head at a dive site. I know, and then replicate it underwater. First, I will look at the sky and the clouds and determine what the sun will look like underwater. Then I pick a subject I know I can find guess a depth that it will be at and determine how I'd like to compose it. I think about where in the image I would like the sun to illuminate and what I would like the strobes to expose. Finally, I choose a rough range for my aperture and shutter speed, pick my ISO, set my strobes, and hop in the water. You'd be surprised. It almost always works. Some of my best images were made this way. Well, yeah, you go in with a plan. Sometimes it's a little difficult when you think about the Great Lakes stuff. We're getting down to 60, 80, 100 feet. The sun isn't going to be as big of a factor in the sense of, yes, it's going to give us a broad illuminating light. There will be light down there, right? But it's not like at 30 feet on a reef where right. you're going to see that, you know, those quote unquote God rays coming down. And that's where those those rays of sunshine are divided coming through the water column. So you'll get that in the shallows. You won't get that in the at depth. And so having a, a plan of where the sun is a little different. But you can gauge the time of day. Like dive me personally, if I'm diving in a sixty, eighty foot wreck and I I prefer the sun directly overhead because it's going to give me a bunch of light coming straight down, not from an angle. Now in the shallows, it's much nicer, in my humble opinion, to have the sun, you know, lower on either side, either low in the morning or low in dusk, and it's coming in. I like that because it's, you know, it's like the surface. People well, like it, that yeah, soft shallows, light is being diffused, and you're getting those god, those rays, those god rays coming. Right, because in. in the shallows, especially in local inland lakes. That's where you're going to light up all the yeah. cool little stuff, mm -hmm. right? And that's the way you're going to need to do that. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, for local, I, I think a, a good idea for a, 
and maybe we've already done this for underwater photography. We've said segment. it for a while that, but we've never done it yet. Okay, is is doing the local inland lake subject because much different. It's completely different ball game than going in an ocean or deep a, a deeper wreck. I shouldn't say. Then let's say it. Let's, let's okay. Say let's we do want, that. We want we want your local shot. Yes. Post it on our. Post that on See what that Facebook looks like. Page. Yeah, your local in inland water shot, not your not those spectacular ocean going shots. I'd like to see some inland water shots. I would too. I would too because it's, 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 it's a it's a um, it's a realm of photography that's not explored much. No, you know that shallow it's, inland lake photography. Yeah, because it's not the ocean. You know, it's not, it's not what everybody easy, thinks of with scuba subject. diving. Exactly, the colors aren't there. You have like to, they you are have in the to ocean. Create the colors with mm-hmm. your lighting and lack of lighting. Yeah, and then your subject matter. You got to be really good and clean to get something of value to see. Right. It's a, it's a tough shot. With it, yes, with your diving, and we keep going back to that underwater photography. The probably the biggest skill to have is being a good diver, being in control of your buoyancy, having good awareness, and having a bunch of propulsion techniques that you can use without stirring it up. You know, without destroying the environment. Once you, you know, if you're the one that goes in and you get your shot because you just plunged into the, to the bottom, held on to something, took your picture real quick and got out and and then just, destroyed the living yeah, hell out of it when you, when you, turned, away, when you yeah. turned away to swim out of it. Yeah, that doesn't do anybody else any good, right? Because to to swim to to come into the shallows on a local lake where you're in literally two three feet of water real pretty soft grassy seabed and you know a, a nice you know painted turtle kind of hanging in the in the shallows in there to, to get a shot of that that's a difficult environment to be in, in to that, turn around yeah, and leave shallow to turn around and depth. leave and the the visibility and the remains the, the remains are still <laughs> as good as when you came in you know or realize that you literally have 12 seconds before the plume of, of <laughs> silt catches up, catches to, the, up from behind up you. to the lens yes. and destroys your shot yourself, yeah, on, your, on yourself. So now one of the things that uh, Nirupam mentions, and it's one of my favorite types of photos to see underwater, is the use of Snell's window. I love Snell's window. I had my uh, so when we bought this house, they had uh, you had two Anderson in. windows in. <laughs> But I said, I want Snell windows. I want Snell's windows now, now all they, over the now place. Are, they, are Snell's windows vinyl <laughs> or fiberglass? So Snell's window is an optical They're phenomenon. offering a special. They free are. financing for five years. Buy one, get one free on yes. all Snell's windows. <laughs> no, so if, so in reality, Snell's window is an optical phenomenon, Nirupam mentions, where an underwater viewer sees the surface as if looking through a tunnel to the light at the end. This effect can be easily captured when shooting up into the sun, resulting in dramatic underwater photos. Low light intensifies Snell's window in underwater photos because the edges of the tunnel become black instead of dark blue as it would in clear water. And you get that like dark vignetting effect, right? You're in like you're in this black area all up shooting up into that one brightly colored almost right. white that fades out into a the blues, blues into the, the black. Maybe some of the rays. And then and to, stuff, yeah. to light that up with something like in the foreground makes for just a, a, a beautiful classic underwater photo, in my opinion. It's really appealing when you're looking at the photo because it, it takes your eyeball and leads you through the picture. 
So right away it grabs you with a lit up foreground, for example, it's really colorful. Or if it's interesting, like a diver, you know, that's what I like with the shipwreck. I like a diver close to me so I can light them up and the shipwreck in the background. And your eye gets led into the shipwreck because the diver draws it immediately, draws the attention. Or that coral, you got a nice beautiful red coral with the blue and the, the black around it, you know, the vignetting. The thing, vignetting, for those who don't know, is like that phenomenon where uh, the outside edges of the, the, you know, the furthest edges of the photograph are darker and the center is more lit. What that does is it creates like a spotlight for your subject. And you can use it creatively. And that's what you're trying to do with the photograph. You're trying to lead right. a, a, a viewer into the photograph. You want them, if you're really good, you can uh, predict how their eyes going to draw, be drawn into. It's going to go from one thing to the other. Certain lines, certain things will lead the, you know, lead the viewer into the photograph. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what the art is, right? Because yes. unintentionally, you know, the vignetting could in, you know, just from get your in the lens, way, yeah, get, get in the way of a good, like ruin a good picture. Whereas if you understand that you're going to have it, you can use the creativity to turn that into a well-composed photo. Again, we go back to the photographer who understands his camera and what it does and understands photos and what, what works well and how to draw a, a viewer into the photograph. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you, you need to understand aperture, you need to understand shutter speed, and you need to understand your ISO if you're going to get a quality shot, right? I mean, those are the yes. three that you keep coming back to. Those three parameters, and it's not just understanding what they are. You have to understand their, how they work together. When one goes up, the other goes down. How about if you take two and put them down and bring, bring the other up? What's it going to do to the photograph? How can I get the highest quality photograph that will accomplish the mission I'm looking for? For example, uh, blurring the background. Now, say, see, like a shipwreck, I don't want that background blurred. I'd like the shipwreck to be in pretty good focus, as well as the close-up diver. So you need to know how to operate your, your camera with that. And the, and the more you open up that aperture, the more blurry that background's going to yes. get. Yes. And aperture refers to, for those who don't know, who are just new to this, aperture is the size of the opening that light goes through to get to the sensor, or the, what we would call the film in the old days. So when that aperture, it's just like the pupil of your eye, okay? If it's bright outside, your pupil constricts. It gets smaller and smaller. The thing about that is everything goes in focus along the whole distance going away from your eyeball. Versus if your lens opens up to let more light in, the plane of focus gets shallower and shallower. And what that plane of focus means, like, say, 50 feet I can look out. And my subject is James sitting at, like, 12 feet, all right? And I point my camera at and I focus on his, his eyeball. A very large aperture, meaning a large hole, lets the most light in, will focus on his eyeball, but, like, his ear... And the tip of his nose might be out of focus. So from the tip of his nose to the back of his ear is that plane of focus. All right? So that's a large aperture, meaning the large hole. And that's yeah. a low number. Okay? And so it's we kind were of inverse. On, if we were on a dive and you know, mm -hmm. I had that uh, you know, turtle sitting on a sponge on a yeah. reef, and I, and I was able to get close enough to get the, the, the head and the, the front fin of the turtle in focus... Yeah. Right, and then just kind of fade and blur out that background behind mm -hmm. it. That's what I would want to do. So you'd use a large aperture, which is like an f2.8, 
3.5, even up to a 4, we consider a large, pretty large aperture. It's not super large, but it's considered Versus if large. I was trying to take that same shot but, but was backed off a bit and wanted the whole, the whole turtle thing in, in yes. and then also the, the, the stretching reef yes. behind it. You go into an F8, F11. F8 and F11, the hole's getting smaller. The higher the number, the smaller the hole. We won't go into the whys because it's just a mathematical calculation. But as this hole gets smaller, more and more of the picture goes in focus you're not able to blur that background when you're you're shooting at an f11 or f14 it's really difficult to blur a background now why do we want to blur backgrounds what does a blurred background do but you'll see a lot of blurred backgrounds in what kind of photography my high school yearbook photo (laughs) well yeah that's well that's one right there that's uh portraiture your subject is the main and only topic in the photo i guess you'd say or the main the only thing you really want to get across in the photo that's your message is the subject is this person right so you don't want the background to 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 even interfere with distraction so you blur it blur it heavily that's why a good portrait lens has a very large aperture Now, when you're out in an active environment, so you're not sitting in a studio, you're Mm -hmm. in an active environment like underwater on a dive Mm -hmm. and things are moving around, your aperture is no longer the only thing that can control the blurriness around the subject anymore, right? You can use the speed of that shutter to have an effect as well now. Well, shutter speed will give you like motion. So not so much a background, but it'll give you motion blur. So if you want to show that something is moving to, you know, we go to sports or something. Like I take pictures of my kids doing soccer. I can always take my shutter speed and jack it up and it'll look like they're still, like their legs kicking, but it's perfectly still and everything's in focus. I'd personally like to give the impression that everything's moving fast because that's how the game's going, right? Right. So I'll lower my shutter speed a little bit so you get anything that's moving will be blurred a little. And, and depending the same on how low you happen go. When you've got like a underwater. really active mm-hmm. coral reef with fish Yeah, if all you want to see that to... sea fan moving back and forth or that uh, the kelp bed or whatever, things that are actually moving in the water and you want to show the action, you have to show, slow that shutter speed down. And that will give you, and depending on what speed you select, you know, like me personally, I like their face to stay perfectly focused. I'd like to see their fins moving a little. So a little blur of the fins. Yeah, so but you've so got you've like got that, a, that fish, that which is your main target, but you do yeah. have the grass or the kelp in the background right. that you want to have that look of... Very slight blur. Where, yeah. yeah, it's obviously this in a, in a live, active mm-hmm. environment. But look at this cool fish. Right. I've got these tools I can play with, right? So you'd have to use your sh- so you'd have to lower your shutter speed, right? There's an interplay between shutter speed, aperture, and then the ISO, which affects more of the graininess of the picture versus the clarity of the picture, I guess you'd call it. So, you know, going back to why do we blur background? Well, we blur background to make the uh, viewer of the picture drawn to the subject and understand what the subject is about. Here's, here's one for you, James. And this is what you see a lot of times where people haven't really thought out the picture. A diver and a bunch of fish and a shipwreck. And they're all in perfect focus. And they're all like taking up the whole screen, the whole image. 
what's the subject? Especially if well, it's a very it's, interesting fish. Well, obviously, it's the diver, the fish, and the <laughs> you And you can't right. have all three subjects. You can make the whole thing as the subject. Yeah, it becomes but, too busy. But it becomes too busy. It's very, it, I don't want to say it's impossible, Unless you're very artistic yes. in, how you, in how you capture Right. It. And that's where, you know, like, when you're just beginning, pick a clear subject. I mean, that's one of the first things I learned. And that, I think if you do any research on photography and how to get started and what should I, forgive the pun, but focus on in my uh, photography journey, one of the first things I tell you is pick a subject. Get a clear subject. Don't make the viewer go, what's the subject? Because they get lost. Right. That, that and like I, I would say, grab a, grab a set of wet notes and just jot down a little photo shot idea, you know, right. a list of shots you want to take. Going into the water with even like six ideas and then spending the rest of the dive just taking your random shots, at least you're going to get on the track of walking away with a better, sh- not necessarily a better shot, but more along the lines of what you're hoping. Yeah, I think if you go in with a plan and a target, you're more likely to hit your target than to just go in willy-nilly and think you're going to come back with something. That doesn't mean you won't, but what it does is increases your chances. Yeah, I've, I have an idea of certain things I want to get. Now, Nirupam mentions shooting with two strobes, leave one behind. Now, he mentions when shooting in low-light conditions, you need much less light to take these photos. This is counterintuitive concept that can be very difficult for some to understand. The reason for this is that the strobes are used to balance ambient light in the background and artificial light on a subject. When there is a lot less ambient light in the background, you need to respond with less artificial light so you don't blow out the exposure of the subject. Very good. I mean, that, and that's a big one. I mean, I've done this in my early days, too, is you think, well, the visibility is not great, so I'm going to bring more light in. But that's not the case. You don't want that because, well, besides the fact that uh, you're going to have a lot more backscatter, which is going to blow out your picture anyway, you're going to have to be closer to your image, your subject, so you don't need as much light. You don't want as much light. The closer you are and the, the more powerful light you have, the more chance you're going to blow out the foreground. What happens in low light is you need to expose for something. In other words, you need to get the camera to uh, read and meter for something in that frame, whether it's the foreground or the background. If you are not like in a wide-angle shot, you need to be metering on your background if you want people to see that background okay otherwise if it meters on the foreground the foreground's going to be much brighter than the background right right so it's going to decrease exposure you're going to lose the background so you meter on your background and with that being said your foreground if you add light and you're metering on your background if that light's too bright which will be easily done if it's in a dark environment you're going to blow out your whole foreground will be blown out and your whole background will be dark yeah and if you're in you know 60 feet of water or greater you're probably in low light right if you're um if you're in you know water that's less than 40 50 feet of visibility you're and you're in 30, 40, 50 feet of water or more, you're in low light. So being able to add those tools, you're able to now use that background, kind of like what we talked about a little bit earlier with that Snell's window. Yeah. And you're lighting up the main subject, and you're letting the just the natural environment create the rest of the shot. Right. You're metering off that background. So that's, uh, that's an excellent point. That's That's a big one, too. So going into a deeper wreck, you might be benefited greater 
by bringing only one strobe. You know, bring and you see a lot of professionals do that too. They'll they'll only have one strobe on a underwater. What is it called? It's a uh, wacky wide angle close up shot. So it's wide view uh, in the sense of there's a shipwreck and yet I'm going to have a diver close up. So I might only have the top of the diver in the in the picture or something to that effect. So yeah, you're going to use just a, a smaller light. Less light. Very nice. Soul uh, near upon. This is a gr- this is a great article. I mean, I highly recommend this to everybody. It's the um, wide angle photography in low light conditions. He talks about painting with light and positioning, shooting into the sun, the Snell's window stuff we were talking about, strobes, aperture, shutter speed, ISO. I mean, if if you guys need more understanding of that, uh, he mentions you know reducing backscatter with positioning of your strobes. Uh, but just a real, real good article. Links to some additional reading about underwater photography if, if you need. So get out there on old uwphotographyguide.com. The underwater photography, as always, there's a ton to it. There's no end to what you can do and Absolutely learn. not. And this kind of gets you going into it. At least gives you a starting point, right? And by all means, send us your photos. Oh, yeah. You know, get out there and uh, get some shots yourselves. And by all means, litter our Facebook page with with shots you're taking you know uh if uh, you, if you take a cool shot and it's something that you heard from this show by all means please do us a favor and just give us a little thanks but by all means you know throw your photos up on our page and let us see what you guys are shooting and get a great dive podcast sticker and put it on something take it underwater with you and make that the subject and take a few different backgrounds looking up into the sun great dive podcast looking up at the sticker check out what it is like to take a picture pointing the camera down towards the bottom because i know every article you read always says shoot up into the sun but see what else what it looks like when you don't shoot into the sun well maybe we'll use that Mm -hmm. so you know why you don't want to until you got the great shot where it is and you know how to and you know how to because you'll see why it's not desired when you to start taking a few photos like that. But the more you work with it, you'll say, I can make some of this work in certain scenarios if I wanted this certain type of look. All right, well, hey, on that note, that was a, was that a, was a great dive. It was a great dive. That was a great dive. I think photo dive is a great dive. So hopefully uh, our, our listeners got some useful info. Well, I know we, we always get requests. Requests yeah. for photo stuff mm-hmm. all the time. So it's, it definitely seems to be the one recurring favorite that people like hearing about it's good to talk about it yeah but but you can't learn photography on a podcast i mean you can learn tips and tricks and maybe get an understanding of how things are working to a certain extent but you can't become an underwater photographer a good one anyway by just listening to a podcast no you got to get in the water and take pictures and take pictures and on land for that matter now you know you if you limit it just to underwater, I think you're you're shortcutting yourself. You're uh, you're shorting yourself. Well, uh, yeah. so many people get in the water and they want to take the camera and take a cool picture, and they think that's just how it works. Whereas in reality, those photos you see in the magazines, that photographer took probably a hundred shots yeah. of that same photo to get to that one. Probably on probably on multiple dives. Right, and he took a hundred shots, or that photographer took a hundred shots on a dive. Oh yeah, came back up, looked at them all, looked at all Found of them, two went, or three, yeah, and then went back again and said, yes. "Okay, based off of those, I like this, I don't like this." Mm-hmm. Went back and took another hundred on another chart right. on another day to try to get that. Yeah, shot perfect. yeah you got to get dialed it in. Takes time. Yeah, I mean and, and that's you why. Be enjoying it. 
when I see a professional do their work, I'm just, I'm always amazed because I know what it takes and it's difficult. Like when I go diving, like my first dive, I figure I'll blow it off. I'm not going to get anything good because I'm just, I'm just warming up. I'm getting a feel for the conditions. I'll take some pictures, some photos, and uh, I won't expect, I won't be disappointed if I don't get anything because I'm not really expecting it. Really not dialed into that second dive. Then you go away, you know, you're not really super dialed in. You're not really in it till like the, you know, third charter of the week or whatever. So you got to get out there and do it. You got to do it often in in those conditions and certain environments and you'll, you'll get it. Right? Absolutely. Okay. So, hey, let's um, hand me that logbook. Yeah. Wait, let me put my instruct let me put my instructor number. Okay. We're good. On that We're note, good. guys, hey, thanks again. Thanks for all your uh support and help on Patreon. Thanks to you guys who have bought t-shirts and stickers and decals from us. Please take some pictures of yourselves wearing them, sticking them, posting them, throw them up on Facebook, throw them up on your favorite social media. Tag us along the way and let us know where our stuff is reaching. I was I was mailing stuff all over the country, into Canada, Australia. It's 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 really fun. North uh, Pole? Do we have a North Pole? There? Um, no, no, Dang. no North Pole yet. Okay. Share this podcast with your friends at the North Pole, so we have something to send to make Brando happy. Yes. I just I'd like to just be able to say that we're up there too, and South Pole for that matter. Both poles. All right, gang. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Safe diving.